The following is a Pro Football Network podcast, the primary voice for pro football at profootballnetwork.com. It's a pretty good story. So Mike, it's Mike, let's go over it again. Shanahan, by the way, that's yeah, yeah. what he does. And so, and you don't like it, but going over it again. So then we're, he comes in, usually in the locker room, I get dressed and Mike comes in and let's go over it. So we go over it. And then, and then sometimes in big games, he come back in and okay, let's go over it again. Like, okay, let's go over it again. The Super Bowl, there's so much time before the bus gets there, the time the Super Bowl, because it's just odd. Everything's odd about the Super Bowl. Halftime, pregame, everything's odd. Yeah. He comes back for a third time. That's why I give him the lot. I give him the uh, uh, the nickname. And so in the going it over again, we go over it again, and he's like, "You're you're ready. I've never seen anyone more ready. This is ready. and I want you to know, you're going to throw eight touchdowns today." Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of More Than Football, the show where Trey is somewhere nice and I am in cold, blustery Connecticut. But why is that important today, Trey? Because you have roots in Connecticut and our guest has roots in Connecticut. And you have, you know Connecticut's where I do the bulk of my special needs work. So let's yep. bring him in here. The great Hall of Famer, the best lefty of all time, Mr. Steve Young. What's up, Steve? How you doing? Good to see you, boys. Good to see you. I'm glad I'm not in Greenwich right now. I wish I was in Maui, but that's a longer story that I do want, I do not want to hear, and it just frustrates me. Trey and I traded texts a few days ago. Yep. I got a sense that he was in Hawaii longer than just like, hey, I'm here for a little bit, yep. that he actually is now domiciled there for some point. It's a dream of mine to be able to pull that off, which has not happened yet. And again, Trey is leading me forward to my future <laughs> life by modeling exactly what I need to be doing. So, Trey... Again, thank you. I'm just trying to catch up from the high school days when you dominated everything, which we don't need to discuss. Oh, sure. It was a humiliating time in my life, but we move forward. Steve, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on this week is when you see the matchup in the postseason, Cowboys-Niners, that, that's got to speak right to your soul, right? Yeah, so that's half of me wants to throw up and half of me wants to just <laughs> be so happy. I'm the happiest I've ever been in my life. So um, it is a mix. Um, I would say, as you guys probably know me, uh, the part that wants to throw up probably dominates, just because that's just how I look at the world. And it is a frustrating. And I, it was on the, it was in the paper today, going through the game again, and I'd forgotten that we had closed it to 23-20 with a few minutes left. And then that's when Alvin Harper bought, caught an 80, 75-yard slant route and ended the game. And I just like, just the the tear, yet the throw up in my mouth, yet the the all of the emotion because it was the one. The Jimmy Johnson admitted probably not. They didn't think they were ready for it. Was the one Correct. where you got to remember that Joe Montana's dressed, and then after three years now, finally healthy. I had just won the MVP of the league. He's sitting on the sidelines, ready to play, and here I am out there against the Cowboys. The Cowboys are about to go on an epic all-time run, yeah. and here was the here was the nexus of all of that, and and I just like ah. So anyway, no more. Move on. No, 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 no. This is good because, like, the other thing that was crazy about that game was that you know there were there were floods in Northern California, and right. there was real concern about the field. And you guys brought in George Toma, the sod god in the NFL, to fix the field, and that really was a huge disadvantage for you guys because the Cowboys were a really fast football team. You almost made the field too good for your opponent. Well, it was a mud pit anyway. No matter what George th- thinks he did, it was it was a rough <laughs> it was a rough. Str- you ever tell George that? Warming up in Troy, Troy, when you know we want you when you warm up, you're you're at the fifty standing with the other quarterbacks as you go the opposite way. Yeah. And Trey's like, "What is this?" I go, "Throw it." Sorry, it's been raining a lot. Plus, this candlestick. I mean, it was high tide. I mean, it was not you know 
So it was it was rough. George helped a little bit, no question. George is a friend, so I can say that. But it was nobody was going to change the nature of that slow. It was a, it was a mud pit, no matter what. Yeah, that's the only reason Harper didn't score on that play. Like, I, I, oh, right, I felt, right. I mean, it, it, like it looked that's like he where, was gone. That's where you think about the Cowboy dominance over the next few years. Yeah. That's where that all solidified in that, in yeah. that sixty minutes. And, and we, and even in their own mind, Troy men, mentioned many times, like, I didn't know where we were, you know? And so them losing that game wouldn't have been, that wouldn't have kept them from continuing to rise. And so I, there was a game, there's a play early in the game when I dropped back through a long touchdown to Jerry Rice. He got called back for holding. And I remember thinking, you know, this is one of those, I just got a feeling it's like, this is one of those sticky games, yeah. like playing, playing uh, whenever I had to play, uh, Bill Belichick, it was a sticky game. It was like sticky, like this hard. It was like frustrating. It was like difficult. Who knows why? Uh, but um, uh, but the Cowboys game was going to be like that. And, and then the next year, I think, was the, was really the thing that sort of made sure the San Francisco 49ers changed things. Like there's that infamous story after you lost at Texas Stadium the next year, two straight years in the NFC title game, that on the way down from the press box, Eddie DeBartolo, the owner, turned to Carmen policy and just screamed, do something, yeah, do something, you well, know, and that you was the year you got Dion and everything yeah. changed. You could see that we, that they, this was a team, the Cowboy team had gelled in a way that needs to go to the bottom. And then you get, gather all those early picks and they need, you know, it's, it's not just Michael Irvin, Emmett Smith and Troy Aikman. It's Alvin Harper and Jay Novacek and the best offensive line in football. Yeah. And yeah. so in that way, and then the defense, and then make sure that we trade Charles Haley, a Hall of Fame player, for nothing the year, be- the year before. You no still angry about that? year before. Well, it changed, so it changed Charles, the whole – it changed everything. Like the Charles I, Haley trade I mean, changed honestly, everything. Charles Haley is a Hall of Fame player. We let him go for nothing to the Cowboys in the end of the 91 season so that he could come back six months later in a championship game and play against us. I mean, when Carmen <laughs> Policy went down in the in – the, in the elevator with Eddie, I would have probably in the elevator said, you already did something, you dummy snorting game trails. <laughs> so, but then the good news is, Steve, after all that pain and anguish, you finally get it back at Candlestick the next year, and you guys race out to that huge lead mm-hmm. at the half and hang on 38 to 28. Honestly, I, you guys knew you were going to beat the Chargers in the Super Bowl. Didn't that game feel like the Super Bowl to you guys? Don't worry, guys. We'll get right back to the show. But before we do, I need to let you guys know that I love to explore new wines. But as much wine as I drink, I'm not always sure what to get. And that is why I love First Leaf Wine Club. They remove all of the guesswork, doing all the hard work to discover great wines so I can just drink them. The great thing is First Leaf winemakers sample 10,000 wines a year. That's about as many yards as Patrick Mahomes might have over the next year or two if he keeps at this pace. But they do that, 10,000 wines across five continents and 12 countries. And they only select the best bottles for the club. And the best thing is, all you got to do, Take a five-minute quiz. They create a custom wine print for each member that maps their vast portfolio of wines to each person's unique taste. Now, the more wines you rate, the more each shipment is personalized to your taste. What is better than that? I know for one, I love getting different bottles of wine to explore each and every single month so I know what I like, what to get, and what to stay away from. Although, let's be honest, I'm not staying away from too many wines. Now, 
To celebrate your special first, the moments that count, and the holidays with First Leaf, this wine club is designed to help you discover all the new wines you will love personalized to your taste, delivered to your door. So join today, and you'll get six bottles of wine for only $29.95 with free shipping. That's less than $5 a bottle, guys. Got to try First Leaf. Go to firstleaf.com slash pro football. That's right. Firstleaf.com slash pro football for six bottles of wine for $29.95 with free shipping. Here's a toast to first. May you enjoy them with the people you love from the first to sip to the last. Try firstleaf.com slash pro football. Now back to the show. Uh, it was always a Super Bowl. It's not hard to say. It was, you know, unlike even. Uh, you could say maybe the Colts in the last 20 years, people who were younger might say, oh, the Colts, Patriots, maybe that yep. way. And that, there was a there was a little of that. Not like this. This is no. from August, from the from the get. It's we're waiting for those two teams to play. So who goes wins the Super Bowl. And that's yeah. the way it was. And so um, there was no doubt about it. And us seeing them in 94, after they're going for the three-peat. We did, remember, we went for a three-peat, 88, 89, then 90, yep. when we had this situation at the end of the game where we, I'm not even going to talk about it because it's just bad luck, but we ended up beating, getting beat by the Giants on five field goals. But that was our trip. That was our three-peat. Yeah. Now, three years later, four years later, it's the Cowboys' chance to three-peat. And, uh, um, and I think that it got to give Carmen Policy credit. He did whatever he could possibly do. Yeah. To try to make that difference, and the difference was Eric Davis making the big plays defensively. To be honest Correct. with you, it was, it was um, getting, getting up, getting up, and taking advantage of turnovers and and scoring and scoring and never stop scoring. I remember we we talked about it the whole week. This is not a game that is going to be won because you held them down. Right, they're going to score twenty eight. They're going to score thirty one. Right, you've got to keep scoring. So that's the play of the game. And I don't know if you want to belabor this, but the play of the game was right before half. Absolutely. Touchdown to Jerry Rice to put up 31 14. Yep. That was the play because it, now it's not just a score and a half away. It's now three three scores away and a half to play where you know they're going to come and now how we can kind of manage through it and get to 30. And we got to 38 and it was enough. Knowing, knowing you had to score, like what was it? What was that pressure you put on yourself going into that game? Were you feeling that until the game got going or even throughout? You know, it's the kind of thing that you, luckily human nature is when you're in the moment, you don't have the context. You, when you're, when you're the day before you did and the week before you did and the week after you do, but when you're right there, luckily the human brain does not let you take it all in. At least it didn't for me. Maybe that's right. the problem for some people is they never get, they never get that purity of thought when they need it under pressure. But for me, all that goes away when you got to go play. And luckily, because you asked me the night the day before, I'd be like, "Holy crap! You know, we got a lot yeah. to do, and we got to, you know, uh, uh, and all the stuff that we got to face, and Charles Haley and everything else." Luckily, when you get on the field and it's muddy and wet, and you see Troy Aikman, it all kind of disappears, and you got to go play ball. And uh, I, otherwise, it would be overwhelming, and that's why the question, right? Because every normal human beings would go, "I would be freaking overwhelmed. I wouldn't be able to walk out of the huddle. I mean, out of the out of the locker room." Right. Of course. Um, I think you just—it's like. I always, I always liken it to Indy car racing. You know, you, you, you drive a car down the highway at 65. Right. These guys drive at 250 miles an hour. So yeah. they do not, they don't equate. They don't make yeah. sense. And so when I, when I'm telling you I'm an Indy car driver and how I handle the pressure, I can't, I can't make sense of it to you because you, you, right. you're on, the, right. you're driving down the highway. It's a whole different experience. 
Um, okay, real quick before we look at this this matchup here, you you got to tell them the story because you guys you guys waxed them in the Super Bowl 49-26. You threw a touchdown, I think, on the first play of the game, an 80-yarder to Jerry Rice. You had six touchdowns in that game, but what did Mike Shanahan say to you before the game, and how pissed was he when you guys put off, put off the pulled off the gas? It's a pretty good story. So Mike Shanahan, it's Mike. Let's go over it again. Shanahan, by the way, that's yeah, yeah. what he does, and so. And you don't like it, but going over it again. So then we're, he comes in, usually in the locker room, I get dressed and Mike comes in and let's go over it. So we go over it. And then, and then sometimes in big games, he come back in and go, let's go over it again. Like, okay, let's go over it again. The Super Bowl, there's so much time before the bus gets there and the time of the Super Bowl, because it's just odd. Everything's odd about the Super Bowl. Halftime, pregame, everything's odd. Yeah. He comes back for a third time. That's why I give him the lot. I give him the, uh, uh, the nickname. And so in the going it over again, we go over it again, and he's like, "You're at, you're ready. I've never seen anyone more ready. This is right, and I want you to know, you're going to throw eight touchdowns today." <laughs> and I'm like, "Like, is this Newt Rock me trying to fire me up?" I'm like, "What is he going?" I didn't realize that when he said that, Trey, he yeah. was dead serious. Because why yeah. I know that, we came in at halftime with four, and he looked at me and he said, "That's halfway." Wow. Serious, uh, we're, serious. We're halfway, and then it gets better. We end up throwing six. Yeah, and the uh, we're up 49 23 at the time, or something. And George Seifert, who was always very kind and gracious, like shuts it down with about probably 12 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And I come out of the game, and George says, You know, this is elation, it's like awesome. We won the Super Bowl and everything else. And I go to the, to the phone to go up to the to the box and tell Mike. I go, Mike, congratulations, man. It's amazing. It's an amazing feeling. He goes, and I, I won't use his I won't use his language because it was like, get you tell George, get back in the game right now. We're getting eight. And I'm not joking, we're getting eight now. And I'm like, uh, someone talk to coach, because I don't know what the hell. But I but my saying for that, Trey, is I've said this yeah. many times before. If you want to throw six touchdowns in a game, yeah. make eight the goal. That's yeah. how people, yeah, people always go. say, how do you throw six touchdowns in a game in the Super Bowl? Try for eight. Yeah. You go for eight. That's how you yeah. do it. Aim high, man. Aim high. Before, Trey, real quick, I just want to ask one question about that, though, because Mike Shanahan's coaching tree now is like the most successful in the league when you look at Kyle, Sean McVay, Stefanski, LaFleur, all of those guys. Did you know back then that Shanahan had that lineage in him, that he had that genius that was going to spread generations beyond him? I can say from my my anecdotal experience, I can tell you my experience. Mike Shannon is the greatest coach. I mean, Bill Walsh, think about it. I went from Lovell Edwards, which was amazing in college. Yeah. My, and who was my offensive coordinator? Mike Holmgren. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. And then I go to the LA Express and I have Sid Gilman. I Crazy. mean, then I go to the 49ers, I get Mike Holmgren again and Bill Walsh. Yep. And then I get Mike Shanahan. But I will tell you, that nobody's saying to me in a more resonant voice than Mike did and how he called plays and how we gelled together. Yeah. And I can say that to everybody. That's just, and the three years we were together, just go look at it. I mean, yeah. the data does not lie. No, and, it does not. And he, he turned to me one time and said the most important thing that I, has ever been said to me by a coach. He said, Steve, I am an aggressive play caller. And I want to empty the tank every time I play. How great is that? And I trust you that you will allow me 
to empty the tank every week and you protect me. Wow. There was trust, right? Trust. Wow. And empowering. Like I felt so empowered to, to, and, 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 and he meant it every inch of it. And I think that so much of our relationship was built off of that comment, you know, about what he intended to do and what he, he, he asked me to do. How many coaches, all coaches meter their quarterback, right? All coaches guide their quarterback. That's the relationship. I'd never heard of a coach saying, Hey, you guide me. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to empty the tank. You guide me. And in that empowerment, it was true. So when you talk about Kyle and what he's done and others, I will tell you that Bill Walsh is the grandfather. Yeah. He's the grandfather for Mike, Mike Shanahan, Mike inherited. Mike was a great coach when he got there from the Raiders and other things that he did, but what he learned and what he gained in San Francisco and what he took from there to Denver, you have to give credit back to Bill. Bill is ground zero. People try to go to Paul Brown, that's fine. But Gil, Bill is the one that enacted it. And all of Andy Reid, Mike Holmgren, Mike Shanahan's trees through the year. Think about that tree, yeah. that, that forest. That's everybody, essentially, including Sean Payton and anyone else you want to think about. And Sean Payton's told me about the most important piece of paper he owns is a little note, handwritten note that Bill Walsh wrote him one day. So wow. I can tell you that I don't want to. I, I, you, I just told you how much I love Mike Shanahan and what he right. means to me. But we cannot have a conversation like that and not owe it back to the to either the great. I don't know if want to look at it, but the great grandfather, the grandfather of it all, was Bill Walsh. Yeah. Listen, Steve. I know we're we're short on time here, so I want to get uh, your thoughts. Yeah, on we got to talk game. about the game a little bit. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Because um, like this is a, this you want to talk about a strength on strength matchup, right? The Cowboys led the league in both scoring and yards. They haven't done that in 50 years. The last time they did that was 1971. They went on to win Super Bowl six. But they're going against the only team in the NFL in the 49ers who are in the top 10 in scoring defense, total defense, rushing defense, and passing defense. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're the yeah. only one. So this is a massive strength-on-strength strength matchup. Yeah, yeah. What do you expect? Well, let me set the overview. The 49er off uh, uh, locker room uh, was as strong as any locker room in the league two years ago when they went to the Super Bowl. That was a – and when I say locker room, the, the gelling of humans together and the, and the connective tissue and the leadership and the self-policing, uh, they don't need anybody. They own the locker room. It's theirs. Yeah. It waned and started the season. You could feel it. There was They were mixing and matching around. They didn't know who they were. They have self-defined their locker room, and it is as strong as it's been. And I really think that's a big piece of the puzzle. We can talk offense and strength on strength. This locker room of the 49ers has gelled, and, and they're going to get the most out of themselves, which is a really tough matchup for the Cowboys. Because to me, the Cowboys historically, through decades, have struggled to own their locker room. I think it's yep. one of the fundamental problems with the Cowboys. And we can talk about Jerry. We can talk about why. We can talk about not empowered head coaches. I don't know what it is, but they don't own it. And I think it factors into these kinds of matchups. So watch for that. And for someone the layman's going to go, Steve, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know what to look for. I think it's kind of thing you either, you either understand what I'm saying or you don't. So that's fine. Right. But I think the advantage of the 49ers is in, it's very significantly in that place. When you talk about matchups, kind of one-on-one on, 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 on offense-defense matchups, I think the 49er defense's flaw is in the secondary, and it's in the corner. And if they can expose that and get them reeling, it cha it changes the nature of their pass rush. It changes the nature of how they they are a tough-minded group of people. Kind of, they're not like the Ravens yet, but they got that tough-mindedness in them, mm. and they got a little bully in them that's just kind of growing. 
And if you get that going, you do not want to unleash that bullying effect of that defense. And that's why I say you got to get to that secondary and expose it and show that you can. And once you get exposed, it kind of puts them in a spot where they, they, they get reeling a little bit. And so if I was the Cowboys, a number one job is to do that. Uh, when it gets to the 49er offense, you have got, the Cowboy defense, if they're going to do anything, they've got to stop the run. This yeah. offense grinds to a halt. Halt. It grinds down and slows down significantly when they can't have an explosive runs. If you can, if they run twice and it's not third and three, it's a problem for the uh, for the 49ers. And so that's yeah. that'd be from the Cowboys side. 49ers clearly run the football, get the explosive runs, let Jimmy go play action. Have yeah. you know Jimmy gloves to come off the play action, have the first guy open, and Jimmy can hit him as well as anybody. And yeah. and that's how they do it. So that you know that's the thing to watch for there. I think the last thing I want to bring up here is that you said something. I think the Niners know who they are, and I don't think the Cowboys know who they are. That, I that, that, that point, that Trey, point, I think I, is what you're talking about. I think that I really thank you for saying it faster and better than I could. Uh, but but I'm glad you get it because I think yeah. it's the Cowboys either start to fundamentally define themselves in this game where you sense that, and then the, then they beat the 49ers. They become dangerous going to Green Bay. They can become dangerous going the distance because they they will gain that momentum, that connective tissue, all the stuff I talked about. I think that's that remains a problem in that locker room, and it might be fundamental to who they hire as coach. I don't know what it is, and maybe it never will be resolved. But I know the players have the choice, and they have a lot. They will have a lot to say about it on Sunday. And I I think it's of all the content that we can talk about about matchups. To me, that's the most important matchup, which favors the 49ers. Yeah. And, and lastly, could you have played in a game where the coach only let you throw it eight times in a postseason game like mm. Jimmy G did a couple of years mm. ago? Like, would you have been OK with that? Just hand the ball off, Jimmy. Don't lose it for us. I would I would say this is not ego. This is actually about planning ahead. It was a game that they dominated yeah. and you do not want to have a portion of your game that's just faltering or could be thought to be faltering and didn't get the work like it's almost like a, a racehorse that needs to get out and run right and so i would tell a coach do not do that even if you think that you can dominate that way we're a throwing team we're a throwing you know we gotta we gotta get our run our throwing game going don't put us in a bind as actually taking a week off our timing our sense yes. of confidence the leaning in that the human beings do in the in the in the psyche of it all i would say not just because i want to throw the ball because i just think it's bad practice to shut down a passing game unless you really mean to. And I think looking back, it was the beginning of why they have Trey Lance trading up three draft choices yeah. is a reflection of that stat you just gave me there and a, and a disconnect between the trust between Jimmy and Kyle. Well, listen, uh, it's going to be an amazing game. It's going to be an amazing wild card weekend. I personally, the only thing I don't like about the format now is that the two seed doesn't get a buy. I think that sucks, but I like everything else about it. So uh, we'll see what happens. Steve, I know you got to run. We appreciate your time today, buddy. Thank you. Hey, aloha. <laughs> we'll see you out here soon, brother. We'll talk. All right. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you.